Great. What a great presence of God here. Wonderful. Okay, I want you to open your Bible at uh, Proverbs chapter 18. Man, we feel like we've been having a feast in these last few weeks, haven't we? I've been speaking on taming the tongue. How many found that their tongue is getting a bit better? How many started to pick up not only the sound, what you're saying, but what others are saying? Have you noticed how strong the put-downs are? It's unbelievable, isn't it? And uh, we need to learn how to address those things. First, we address it in our own heart. And uh, we're coming near Christmas now, near the end of the year, but I wanted to start to move from uh, where we were talking about the negative aspects of the tongue to actually how God has designed us to operate. And uh, I want to share with you something today that will help you. We're just going to look at a message called The Power of the Tongue. Uh, I feel I'll, I'll add to this and, and do some other sessions related to it. But I want to just give you some things that are really, I want to lift your thinking about God's design. Because if we don't see how we're designed, we will always malfunction. It's like the same with a, with a natural thing. If you have some natural object, you don't know what it's made for, don't know what it's supposed to do, you'll end up using it for the wrong thing. And use up, uh, uh, you know, like kids pick up a remote and use it as a hammer. You know, they just don't quite know what it was for till someone starts yelling. <laughs> Isn't that right? Uh, okay, there, here we are. Proverbs 18:21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Death and life are in the power of the tongue, and uh, those who love it will eat its fruit. So the Bible tells us very clearly, your tongue has power. There is a power, a spiritual force in words. The Bible tells us very clearly, words that we speak are containers. They contain something. They contain what is in your heart. And we saw that there are all kinds of words people can speak. We looked at some of the, the, the negative kind of words, and we also looked at what they release. And uh, we're going to look today, I want to go and look really at the, the more positive aspect of this. But we've looked at how uh, people release lying words, and it releases a spirit of murder and death against people. We looked at uh, 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 gossiping words. Gossiping words release a spirit of death against people. They hurt people. Uh, we looked at uh, flattery, which is empty words. They're words with an agenda. And they also hurt people because ultimately the agenda comes out. Uh, we looked at uh, empty words, words spoken which are insincere, have no meaning. And uh, they tend to disappoint people. Again, they minister death to people. We saw about put-down words, words that uh, you hear the words, but the spirit within it and the, what, the, what it contains you go away and you feel downed afterwards, and uh, you feel put down. You feel less. You feel actually dishonored and devalued. And uh, we saw uh, these kinds of words, and what they did. We saw the last one we looked at was angry words, and we saw our angry words release a spirit of murder, and people don't just hear the words. They feel the spirit that the words contain, and it's a mixture of the human spirit. It's what's in your heart. And it also activates and releases demonic spirits. So many people I know and have prayed for, ministered to, have been deeply wounded for the, almost the whole length of their life because of some angry outburst uh, within the family by a father or mother or by someone near to them when they were very young. And they've carried the impact of that right through their life. And so we saw these were some of the, uh, the, the different kinds of words. But now we'll look at the proper use of the tongue. I want to look at design. And I want to show you something from the Word of God about design, about things that God designed us to do. Because most of us, because we don't know what we're designed to do, don't actually function properly. 
we don't realize that when, when people that are being made in the image of God means we, we are made with God nature. We, we have a spirit nature. Therefore, when we speak, we're able to do things with our words that nothing else in creation can do. And it's part of God's purpose for our life. So let's just go, first of all, into Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. And I want to just look, I don't want to expand this much. I want to just show you a couple of things in Genesis about how God uses words. How God uses words. Quite interesting, God doesn't seem to use lots of words. When God was speaking to Adam, Adam, where are you? Who told you were naked? Did you eat the fruit of the tree? It's not kind of like lots of words, is it? A real man talking, that one. <laughs> but men and women both carry the nature of God. So God is also willing to share in the most vivid ways. And so when God communicates uh, from the spirit to us, what he impacts into, imparts into us can, it's hard to even put it into words. There's so much he can download in such a short period of time. Okay, let's have a look. And so verse uh, chapter 1. Genesis 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. Darkness was on the face of the deep. The Spirit of God was moving or hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. Let there be light. And God saw the light. It was good. God saw the light. It was good. So number one, I want to share with you two primary uses of words you'll notice that God has. Number one, he uses words to create by releasing supernatural power. He uses words to create. He uses words to create. In fact, when you're looking in the Bible, the law of first mention applies. The first place something is mentioned gives you the, the, the foundation for how it's consistently used to right through the Bible. And so the very first reference to God speaking words are words where he spoke creatively and released power from the spirit world into the physical world to create something that wasn't there. Think about that. God's first recorded use of words, I'm not saying he didn't talk before then, but the first recorded use, therefore the first mention, is he uses words to create something by releasing supernatural power. Now, if we're made in his image and we're called to be imitators of him, innately within us is an ability to create something in our physical environment by releasing supernatural power. We may have been marred or affected by the fall, but innately inside us is still this capacity to create using words, and we have an ability with words to release something from heaven into the earth. Now, you've got to understand that's that's totally connected to our design, see? It's connected to our desire. So God uses words to create. In Hebrews 11, verse 3, it says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That word framed means put together, assembled, or constructed, or brought into being. So by faith, we understand that with faith operating, God spoke and his words created what we see. Now, it says we understand that the things which are seen, the visible things, were made by things which are not seen. Now, most of us, when we read that verse, we, we read it like this. The things which are seen were made out of something invisible. But actually it says the things which are seen by this naked human eye were made out of something which is present but just not visible to the naked human eye. 
There, for example, we can see visible, uh, there's a certain spectrum of light waves you can see, but there are actually other light waves present. You can't see them with the naked eye, but they're still there. And what it's saying virtually is that the things you can see were made out of something that was there, which you couldn't see. So in other words, things from the spirit realm brought into being the natural realm. So the spirit world is all around us, and what we see which is formed in front of us was created by words, words brought from the spirit world into the natural world into being. That's how God did it. It's not like he went sort of, poof, look at that. It didn't happen that way. He operated by a principle of faith, fully believing that what he said will come to pass, fully empowered to make it to come to pass because he's God, he spoke. Let there be light. Now, you notice two things were there. The Spirit of God was moving, and the Word was decreed or spoken, and that created something that hadn't been seen before. Now, as you look through the Bible, you find that Jesus operated in this consistently, and it's a realm that God is wanting you and I to learn how to grow up into. We already operate it in some degrees. For example, the kinds of relationships you have, the kind of world that you have around you, primarily is shaped by the things you've been saying. See? A lot of angry words. You've got a, a very unpleasant home, and the home was created. See? I remember talking to staff one time, and I said, we have to live in the house we build. Let's decide what kind of house we'll build and build with one agreement about what that'll be. And it won't have gossip in it. It'll be a, it'll be a, a house without gossip. See, so words create something. They create things which we can feel and, and see their impact. And so, so the, sex, so the first uh, use of words that's recorded there was to create something in the natural world which wasn't there before by bringing power from heaven, the Holy, power of the Holy Spirit, into the earth. Now you think of all the miracles Jesus did, how did he do it? How did he do it? The Spirit of God was present. He spoke a word. Power was released from that realm of the supernatural from the realm of heaven into the earth, and the earth changed. Blind people saw. Deaf people heard. Crippled people walked. Now, that's Jesus, who is the, 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 the man. He's the, he's the one we're to follow. He sets the pace. And how did he do it? He just actually fulfilled the original design, that one of the reasons for the use of the word, of the tongue, is to be able to create things by releasing supernatural power. Okay, well, we, we could develop that a lot. I'm not going to go too far on it today. I just want to give you and show you a few things just to connect some things together, get the picture. Okay, the second thing that you find in Genesis that God did was this. This is the second thing he did with words. He established uh, and nurtured and protected relationships with words. He established and nurtured and protected relationship with words. Now, again, each of these could be developed quite a lot, but I just want to get you the, the overview right now because we're right on Christmas. I want to get you to think about this. God established relationship with words. All relationships are established with words or they're created through the words you speak. They are also nurtured or kept alive like water watering a plant by words you speak. And they are protected by speaking words. Sometimes you have to confront things. Sometimes you have to set boundaries. So you notice... When uh, in, in the first uh, two or three chapters of Genesis, God begins to say, let's have a look in, in verse 26, for example, of Genesis 1. 
God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, the birds of the air, and all the cattle over all the earth, every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. And God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. So notice he established by words a man that he intended to have relationship with him. God wants relationship. Man invented religion. God designed relationship. He's made us for relationship. Religion is a very poor substitute. It's a lot of emptiness with no relationship. It has no connectedness. So how did God get connectedness? Through words. And so we read in in different places there. For example, uh, it says uh, in Genesis chapter 2, it says, verse 15, the Lord put the uh, man into the, in the Garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. He gave him a purpose. And the Lord commanded the man, saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but out of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you'll not eat. The day you eat it, you'll surely die. It's not good that man should be alone. I'll make him a helper comparable to him. Now, I'm going through this really quick, but the essence of it is this, that God used words, firstly, to create a man, and then use words to define his purpose and to begin to enter into relationship with him. And God put a boundary around the relationship to protect the relationship. He said, listen, you have all this freedom, but you can't eat that particular tree over there. You eat that tree, you'll die. So God used words to establish boundaries in relationships and consequences for breaching it. And the Bible says in Genesis 3, uh, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden. Obviously, it was God's practice in the evening to come and talk to the man he'd made. So we see emerging here, without looking into it too deeply, we see emerging in it two primary uses of words. Number one, to create. To create in the natural world something that wasn't there by releasing the power of God into that area. Secondly, to establish and build or develop or cultivate relationships and protect them by speaking words. Now, you think about this. How did Adam and Eve come into such a big problem? Why is it we've got such a mess in the world? Very simple. They listened to someone else's words and agreed with those words, and then hell came into the earth. Think about that. And, and here's another thing to think about just while we're on it that Adam, who was mandated to protect with words and actions what he was entrusted, failed to speak up. Adam was with her when she was talked to by the serpent, and he never did a thing. He never spoke. Still a problem today. Silent men. Silent men. Silent men allow the devil to work. The women are all smiling. Now the men are, I don't like this message. Why don't you preach something better? Silent men allow the devil to work because without saying words, they allow relationships to suffer and be neglected, boundaries to be broken, and in the end, death and destruction to come. Words. Oh, now you got it. Now you begin to see what we're designed. So if you begin to think now, just keep, keep remembering now that I'm designed to be creative with my words, to bring changes in the world around me by the use of my words, and I'm also designed to establish relationships and to nurture them or maintain them and to protect them by the use of words. 
That's what I'm, that's what, that's what it is. Now I know I use my tongue to eat, but animals can do that too. You see, what distinguishes humans is humans by their words can release a spirit content into the world. Animals can't. So although animals can communicate, they cannot release spirits into the earth. Animals cannot release the Holy Ghost to move. Animals cannot release demons to take place and move into areas in the earth. But people can. Why can they? Because their words have power. It's part of design. Part of design. Okay then, so we've got that clear. You all got real quiet about that now. It's true. See? Now we're called. Now if God used words in those two ways to, to create things or to uh, uh, create by releasing supernatural power and to nurture, protect, establish whatever relationships, and we're called in Ephesians 5.1 to be imitators of him, we're called to do the same stuff. We're called to do the same stuff. Create things with words. Start things up that weren't there with words. How does new business get started? Someone has words. How do you get into an agreement to get married? Words. How do you meet a girl? Words. How do you form friendships? Words. Now, it'll take more than words, but words are what initiate it. You've got to start with words. Hi, how you doing? You know? That's why silent men are a bit of a problem. It's true. Silent men are, there's an issue there. There's an issue of malfunction. It's true. It's malfunction. We're just not functioning like we're designed. And we'll learn how to function, how we're designed. We're going to see how that works out in a moment. Okay then. So now, I want you to have a look in uh, Psalm 16. The Bible says, your tongue is your glory. I'll show you that. I want to compare two verses. We'll just quickly look in Psalm uh, 16, and then we're going to go and look into Acts chapter 2. And the Bible says a strange thing about your tongue. It's called your glory. I'd like to stick your glory out. We'll have a look at it. <laughs> it's furry. How did that happen? <clears throat> okay, then. So in uh, Psalm, anyway, Psalm 16... Let's have a look in Psalm 16. Here it is. And uh, in verse, I'll find it here somewhere. Here it is, verse 9. Well, we'll read it in verse 8. I have set the Lord always before me. Because he is at my right hand, I shall not be be moved. Remember that bit. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. Okay, then. So you got that? Okay, now we look in Acts chapter 2. Now, in Acts chapter 2, Peter is filled with the Holy Ghost, just got filled with the Holy Spirit. And so what does he do? Well, he begins to speak. And when he speaks, in Acts chapter 2 and verse 25 and 26, he quotes that verse. David says concerning him, Jesus, I foresaw the Lord before my face. He is at my right hand. I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart rejoiced and my tongue was glad. So in the Old Testament, we read, my glory rejoices. In the New Testament, he says, my tongue was glad. So very clearly... It means the same thing. Your tongue is your glory. Your tongue is your glory. Well, goodness me, what does that mean? Psalm 30 verse 12 says, My glory may sing praise to you. Well, what does that mean? Why on earth would they use such a strange terminology? First of all, let's have a look what glory means. The word glory means, uh, it means to be weighty or to have honor. And it comes from a word meaning this. It means, now think about this. Your tongue is your glory, okay? Then now think about your tongue being used for these things. To honor, build people up. To bring honor to something. To increase the value of something. To impart value into something. See? 
So the words you release reveal what you're like. And they impart something into the environment around you that can either value or devalue. So with our words, we can give glory to God. We can dishonor God. We can honor people. We can dishonor people. Your tongue is your glory. Because your tongue reveals what kind of person you are. So if I want to know what you are, watch what you do. See how you spend your money. But listen to your words. Because in the end, you'll give it away. Your words will reveal who you are. Because the Bible says, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, your, your honor, the honor you carry as a person is seen by what you express through your words to the people around you, right? So, so for example, in, in, uh, in one of the Proverbs, it says, by the blessing of the upright, the city is exalted. In other words, if we speak well about our city and begin to talk well about our city and begin to bless our city, there is power in blessing it for its atmosphere and its vitality to be changed. But most people curse the city, curse the mayor, curse the government, curse this, curse that. They actually speak negatively and open the way for something else to happen. So your tongue is your glory. Okay, then. I want to show you something we just read here. Now, the first use of words in the Bible were to create value. See, there was no world. After God spoke, there was value there. There's gold, there's silver, there's trees, there's fish, there's birds, there's people. All kinds of things are there. God created value with his tongue. He bought value. He bought something there, see? Now, the first use of of words after the Holy Spirit got a hold of the New Testament church. Remember, the first mention is always the one that tells and defines it. So God's the first use of words in the Bible by God, what did he do? Number one, he created something, released power to create. Two, he developed a nurtured relationship. Now, let's have a look in the New Testament and see when the Holy Spirit came and the Spirit of God came and filled people just like Jesus was filled, some things happened. I want you to see two things that happened. And you find they're the same two things. You find the first thing that happens is people use their tongue to give honor to God. So they, they use their tongue to honor God. The first thing a person does when they're filled with the Spirit is to begin to speak and honor and thank and praise and give glory to God. See overflow. Acts chapter 2. They heard them speaking in tongues, declaring the wonderful works of God. Acts chapter 10. They were filled with the Spirit. They heard them speaking in tongues and magnifying God. So the first, the first evidence that your life has become filled with the Spirit is you begin to start to honor God. You begin to overflow and say something. Silent men are a problem again in this area. Our tongue is to speak. It's to speak and do, we're to do something with it. So one of the things that happened in the New Testament was, the first thing that happened was, they honored God who is the source. Acts 2.11, they began to speak in tongues, declare the mighty works of God. Acts 10 and verse 46, they spoke in tongues and magnified God. What was the second thing they did? Oh, you're going to love what the second thing they did. You're just going to love this. They acted as God's representative and spoke words that created new lives. How about that? Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, stood up, began to speak the things of God as God's representative spoke on behalf of God into the earth and 3,000 people were born again. Now, what does that mean, 3,000 born again? It means a supernatural miracle of God came into their life. They were born again. Sin was broken off. 
judgment off their life. They got charged with the Holy Spirit. They came alive on the inside. That is a miracle. That was a new creation. The Bible calls when you're born again, any man born again, a new creation. Well, so isn't this amazing? The two things that happen straight after people get filled with the Holy Ghost. Number one, first honor God. Number two, act as his representative and begin to create things. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? Act as his representative. First of all, to honor God, then to act as his representative and begin to create things. Now you begin to see what you're designed to do. See, honor God, speak as his representative and make things happen. Create things. I'll give you three things you can, uh, you can create, three things that'll show you how you can honor God and uh, speak things as God's representative. Let's quickly do them now. Okay, so here we'll look. We'll look at, so God's designed you to do some speaking. They say, well, I'm not a man of words. Well, no, some people are far more strong in actions. They, they're able to do acts of kindness. Some are very compassionate, a whole range of different expressions. But you have been given a tongue and words are necessary. Words and a gift without words is really actually quite empty. And it's when you give it the words, you create the value, the honor. Tongue is your glory, your honor. So you get it at a function. One of the things in a lot of Kiwi function, notice this, they don't speak words. Or if they do speak words, they're so awkward and embarrassing and sometimes dishonoring that you cringe and you wish no one had spoken. I think it's wonderful in the church in Bay City here, you've got the message. Because I go to any function anywhere and I hear people stand up and no matter how good or how simple or extravagant the meal has been, I hear the words of value. Rachel invited us to her birthday in a restaurant and uh, we went to the restaurant and uh, she had some half of the people from church, half of the people from her work and then she got to that magic moment where she asked me to actually speak words of honour. That's not an ego trip for her. It's actually she's wanting her unsafe friends to understand the power of words to create something in the atmosphere and they just were like that. I mean, Bryden had a 40th birthday. We went to the, it was in, in Little India and it was surrounded by people. Uh, we had lots of people there and, uh, we had many people there and, and there was a bit of a party atmosphere going on. Right next to us, there was a whole table of people who'd been boozing and they were, they were quite, the guys were quite noisy. And one after another, people stood up and they began to use their tongue for the purposes designed, create value. And, you know, his, his wife and, and, uh, his children and, and uh, various friends and various people spoke. And you know what happened? It, sh- it changed the whole atmosphere. It added value. Shut down the boozers and the drinkers. And they actually, actually, the wives were telling the guys to shut up because we want to listen to this. See, the tongue is used to increase value, to create value. And, and people, in their heart, this is designed. We're created to do that, and everyone longs to be honored and valued. See, so one of the uses of your tongue. That's why, that's why we had to identify all the bad stuff. So you just get aware when that's happening to shut it down, stop it, zip it, move away from it. But now we want to move and being creative with our tongue. And so we have power to bring honor, to do all kinds of stuff. Okay, so here's, here's the, uh, the two uh, base reasons there. Number one, honor God as our creator and source. And there's a couple of ways we can honor him that give them to you. Number one, thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Psalm 69 verse 30 says, I will magnify the Lord with thanksgiving. How do you make God bigger? He's already big. 
How can I make him bigger? I make him bigger in my experience, or I give honor to him. How do I do it? By thanking him. So we develop a heart of gratitude and thankfulness. We begin to thank him and express thank you to him. Speaking in tongues is one way of of expressing thanks and gratitude to God. Second one is praise. In Psalm 50, verse 23, whoever offers praise glorifies or honors me. So thankfulness or gratitude, being thankful and praise, praising God, speaking and declaring his works and declaring who he is and what he's done. When we do that, we are giving honor to God. That's why we start the service this way, because we use our tongues and our, our bodies to express honor to God. And the interesting thing is God has promised to inhabit the praises, to come in. He said, if you want to come into my presence, the key is thankfulness, and praise. I'll enter his gates with thanksgiving into his courts with praise. So it's a divine design that I can access heaven if I will be vocal. I have to be vocal. I have to use my tongue for the intention God designed it, which is to magnify him and honor him and praise him. And as I do it, the Bible says he even inhabits the praise of his people. Hence, we make such an issue of it in expressing gratitude and praise, continuity to the Lord, and doing it vibrantly and alive and expressively. Why? Because it's designed. We're designed that way, and God's appointed that's the way into his presence. Otherwise, you have a nice little quiet thing, but nothing happens. You don't feel presence of God. Remember, noise is not what counts. It's it's words that carry gratitude and genuine praise. Uh Uh-huh. Man, isn't that great? Okay, second thing then, second thing is this. We're designed to speak out as God's personal representative. We've got to speak as God's representative. So there are three primary ways I could think of that you would speak as God's representative. You don't start off by doing, this is God speaking. It's not done that way. The first way you can uh, speak in a way that makes you as a representative of God is this. Now, this one will surprise you. And yet it won't surprise you. But it's not the one you'd first think me to come up with. Here it is. When you fulfill commitments you have made, you are speaking like an ambassador of God. When you fulfill commitments you have made, you are speaking like a true ambassador of God. Because, why is this? God fulfills his commitments. God watches over his word. The Bible says in, in, in Numbers, I think it is, it says, uh, God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. Has he not said and will he not do? Has he not spoken and will he not make it good? So when you say and do, speak and make it good, you're acting as a representative of God. How? With the way you use your words. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing. When you're a person who keeps your word, People treat you as being someone of honor. If you're a person who doesn't keep your word, people despise you. And so they should, because you're dishonorable. Hmm. Well, think about it. Think about it. We can actually, and this is the hardest thing, is to watch over your words and make them good. I've taken the habit the last couple of years of writing things down, so I make, try to make sure I do keep good what I do. And I, I mess up every now and then, and uh, but you've got to, you know, I've got to realize it's really quite important because God is a God who keeps His word. Our whole Christian faith is based on God keeping His word. So if we're to represent Him, one of the first things we must do with our words is keep them. 
And so that introduces the whole area of making and breaking commitments. People just make them and break them without any thought. Be careful what commitments you make, and once you've made them, keep them. Commitments of what you'll do, get it done. Don't let someone down. Commitments to be there and be there on time, do it, and don't let, don't let the person down. Oh, we had a few bad ones on that one. We had a few difficulties in our marriage on that one. However, we're on the way to a greater level as I have repented and come right. <laughs> yes. So that's probably why men don't say too much because it'll be reminded of it later on what they said. Did I say that? I don't remember saying that. Oh, well, you see, this is one of the things. Men may not speak well, but their wife has got an excellent memory to be able to remind you a year later what you said. How do you remember? I can't remember a week ago what I said. However, fortunately, this is a great teamwork. You say it, she remembers it. It's very, very good. Good arrangement God has made there. Second Holy Spirit. There we go. So number one. <laughs> Come on. Okay, here's the second one. Second one is to use words to establish, nurture, and protect relationships. Use words in relationships. Again, all of these I could give a few things on, but just keep it real simple. Use words to build relationships. One of the biggest difficulties all marriages and families struggle with is the failure of men to actually speak words that give value, identity, purpose, and encouragement to their wife and their children. It's true. Marriages languish for lack of words like plants languish for lack of water. Relationships languish for lack of words. They just wither. They wither. Proverbs 15, 23, a word spoken in season, how good it is. How good when you get someone encourages you at the right time. Proverbs 15, 4, a wholesome tongue is a tree of life. It really nurtures people. People hang out for people who encourage them. Ephesians 4, 29, let no corrupt word come out of your mouth, but that which is good to, to build up and to encourage and impart grace and empower people. Words like that, they're treasured. Anyone who can speak words that impart grace to people, you're never going to lack for friends. Never. People will be attracted like a magnet because they're, they're, it's like their soul is withered, waiting for those kinds of words. You start to speak words anywhere in the street, encouraging people, valuing people, appreciating people, noticing things about them. They just, it's like music. They just, they, they will respond every time. They feel when, it, when it's genuine and authentic, see? And Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love. So we have to protect relationships by speaking the truth and confronting. So their relationships are shaped, framed, nurtured by words. Come on now. You were designed for this. And I can tell you now, I pray for enough people in the church. I pray for many young people, and they're withering for lack of words. Here they are in their teenage years seeking direction and affirmation and help as they go through all these strange things happening in their body and pressures from around them and uncertainties about the future. To be silent then is crime against them. That's the time to speak in and give direction and be courageous. And if they fuss and yell and say you've ruined their life, don't take it personally. I've ruined all of my kids' lives at some time. By saying no. <laughs> I can still remember a door slamming. You've ruined my life. You've ruined my life. Very dramatic. 
All they'd done was to ring up and ensure that they were in the right place, at the place they were supposed to be, and then gone and seen the people and drawn them all to account for why they weren't there and why they'd let them go. And they, Yeah, all that kind of stuff, you know. Okay, so words. We need words for relationships. Isn't that right? I said, oh, the strong, silent man, this is time to start to get a, get a tongue and use it. Okay, and here's the last one. We use words to release the power of God. Words are used to release the power of God. So as an ambassador of God, you represent him, one, when you, when you keep your word, because you represent his character, two, when you establish, nurture, and develop, and build, and cultivate, and protect relationships, and three, when you release the power of God by speaking the word of God. You release the power of God. Now, you're called to do that. Did you realize you are called to do that? You're designed to do that. If you're not doing it, what's wrong? You're not functioning right. The tongue's flapping, but the wrong stuff's coming out. See? So let me just give you a couple of examples. I won't, we won't develop it. We'll just uh, develop it the next year. Uh, but it, we can use words. Faith confessions. Confessing what God says releases Jesus to work on my behalf and bring it about. Hebrews um, chapter 3, verse 1. Uh, uh, prophetic words. Prophetic words are words that God gives me to speak that bring encouragement and edification, build up people, touch them. They begin to weep. They, I've seen people, just words. They, they cry when you speak words that have got the spirit of love and hope and encouragement in them. Wonderful. Wonderful gift to have. Everyone's, notice this. Interesting this. It says, all may prophesy. How about, it doesn't say about any other gift, but all may prophesy. Why? Because all, all got a tongue called to build, nurture, encourage, build, develop relationships. Uh, we can issue uh, another thing we can do is faith commands in Matthew, Mark chapter 11. Faith command is where you speak in the name of Jesus to sickness, speak to demons, speak to invisible power, speak to things that won't seem to move, and they move. And no one's got any idea why and how they moved. But you know, because you used your tongue to speak words that released heaven into the earth. Isn't he wonderful? Just like we're designed to do. We just got to learn how to do it. We teach you how to do that next year. And finally, prayer. Prayer, James 5.16. The Bible says the prayer of a righteous man, it releases great power into the earth. One of the modern translations. Isn't that fantastic? Well, isn't this great? We're called to represent God. And in representing him, we can nurture and build and encourage relationships. We can release the power of God into the earth, and we can honor him. What a wonderful deal our tongue is given for. All that, we can eat hokey pokey ice cream as well. Man, oh man, what a deal. Eh? All of that, and, you can, and strawberries and ice cream as well. It's great. You can do all of that. But you see, the thing is, the reality is we've misused the tongue because we didn't understand what it was for, and now God is saying, up to another level next year, up to another level, start to become a person who can build, who can establish, who can nurture, who can develop, who can encourage relationships. You've got a word in season, who can come to someone and bring a word of God to them, who can speak the word of God, pray the word of God, knows your authority, can start to command things. You know, that's not for me. Of course it's for you. You were designed for it. This, it wasn't for the dog down the road, you know. It's actually for people. People are all, we're designed in connection with God to do all of these things. The problem is we just don't believe in our heart we could do it or we don't know what to do. Next, we're going to show you what to do and how to do it and believe for everyone to start to come up to another level. How many are involved in that prophetic evangelism over the weekend? Okay, keep your hand up. Now, just put your hand down again. Right, here we go. How many of you found that the words you spoke touched people's lives? Oh, look at that. How, and we saw people saved by it. A new creation came into being because you spoke. 
the church's time, the church got its tongue. Father, we just thank you for the great love you've given to us. We thank you for the great and wonderful power that you put in a man and woman of faith who believe you, who love you and are connected to you. What a privilege, what a deal to be able to represent you in the earth and to be able to bring forth the life of God, creative life into relationships, into businesses, into troubled situations, to have a word from heaven that changes it all. Oh my, we thank you. What a privilege. What an honor. Oh, we just got to give you the glory. We got to give you the praise and thank you, Lord. You've destined us to do such wonderful things. Come on, let's give the Lord a clap, shall we? Let's stand on our feet. Let's honor him.